0: G'day, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Gowron Pera columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers Podcast. Today we're catching up with Pacific Nickel Mines. The code is PNM. And we have the Executive Director and CEO, Jeff Hiller, with us today. Now the stock is trading at 9.5 cents for a market cap of $26 million, which is all very interesting given the company is... Uh, fast-tracking its way into nickel production from uncomplicated laterite nickel direct shipping ore project in the Solomons. So it'll be interesting uh, chat today, I think. So Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Barry. Uh, Jeff, I mentioned there that uh, things are moving along at a cracking pace. Uh, there's been a, a debt facility, uh, offtake agreements, mining licenses is issued. So um, it's production is around the corner is it look you know we uh
1: we were hoping to get the mining license a bit earlier than expected um it took a bit of a took a bit of time to work through the Solomon Islands government but the, the good news about that was that alongside the mining lease that we got we actually got what they call a mining agreement which is a document that spells out you know how to proceed under the mining lease and that involved uh, a number of departments in the Solomon so I think you know fiscal terms how to mine environmental all the rest of it so we're quite confident now that we can proceed um, Um, on our timeline and so you know we're going to get cracking straight into you know developing the project this year the the two key elements building the wharf and getting the whole road up to the the ore body which is only a k away from the coast so you know that's the main thrust and then looking to get into production uh, next year once the, the wet season's over.
0: So what uh, sort of uh, annual production are we looking at?
1: Uh, annual production is, is 1.3 million tonnes um, of wet direct shiple. The average grade of the, the operation is about 1.5% nickel, but in the early years we're looking for higher grades of sort of the 1.6s to 1.7s. And that's just been through. Luckily for us, the the higher grade deposit is closer to the coast, so our initial mining is into those higher grades, which is certainly an aspect that you know helped us attract um, a financier in in Glencore.
0: Yes, now I was just going to ask, uh, tell us a bit about that, uh, um, or MOU, I guess it is, with Glencore for what is it, twenty two million debt facility plus uh, offtake? How does that work?
1: That's correct. Yeah, look, we went through, we started that process last year and, you know, we talked to a number of off-takers, traders, global traders, you know, logical partner for this part of the world and, you know, there's a great demand for them to, to trade the nickel and with the process, we had quite a number of parties. At the end of the day, we, we ended up with Glencore, you know, they, they had an attractive um, debt position for us, which is the $17 million with a $5 million um, facility um, just in case we need additional funds. Um, and also, you know, they seem to be, you know, quite um, happy to, to, to um, you know, get involved in the Solomon Islands. So I think, you know, from that, and it was just a relationship that we're looking forward to, to finalising in, in the near future.
0: I can understand Glencore's interest because uh, your, your DSO is, uh, well, particularly high grade compared to, I think, most of the uh, material uh, export or, you know, seaborne market. Uh, from the Philippines, which I think they're down around 1.3. So you're talking, what, 1.5%, 1.6%, are you?
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. So I think the the grades in the Philippines is, you know, a lot lower at the 1.3 um, and the demand's still there. And But for us, you know, if we can deliver a product 1.6, it's very attractive, you know, over the first couple of years. Which you know repays their debt facility, but also you know gives them a, a very marketable product, and our nickel is very you know is a good product in that respect. So I think that's where we got the attraction from a number
0: of trading groups. Uh, I think it might be a good stage just to give uh, investors a refresher on uh, where this DSO laterite material goes to. It Goes into nickel pig iron, uh, which is controlled by uh, the Chinese uh, through uh, their own production facilities in uh, Indonesia and uh, material they import from well, the Philippines and uh, next cab off the rank, the Solomons. Just give people a, a feel for how your material gets priced in that nickel pig iron system.
1: Well, I think, you know, we always refer to there's a there's a pricing that's based out of the Philippines. So there's benchmark prices for the Philippines and the only, you know, for the different categories. So we get paid per nickel content, but there's bands, you know, 1.3, 1.5s, 1.8s, but you know, we get you actually get paid for nickel in between those bands. So it's whatever nickel you you ship you get paid for. And and so it's worked off that and the arrangement we've got with Glencore is that you know we're getting a, a price that's a, a combination of a number of benchmark prices and they take, you know, we get a discount to
0: that for them to, to take the, the material from us. So if you were shipping this week, what would the one point five or one point six material be fetching?
1: Yeah, I think it's in the, you know, the 60 US dollars a tonne sort of mark, you know, the higher grades are worth more than that at the moment. But I think the important thing is that the, you know, the shipping rates have come down, you know, they change from where we were before. But I think, end of the day, we're still always looking, and I think we talked about this last time in our scoping study that we did um, end of last year, you know, the values haven't changed. And so we're always, you know, thinking that this project is, a, is around the twenty US dollars a tonne sort of margin, whichever way you look at it, you know, to be honest. Because I think the, what you find is the pricing and the, you know, the, the end units look at the pricing and the shipping costs and, you know, they obviously have a, a margin they'd like to achieve and so that's where it always ends up at this sort of average margin for, for the producers.
0: Absolutely. So roughly then you'd be in the middle of the second cost quartile um, yes yeah. that's
1: right and the reason is just because of our our grade you know when we've got the the one point average of 1.5 a lot of the material you know is the 1.3 so we're fairly confident that you know our our product is saleable and obviously Glencore and the other traders who looked at it thought that as well you know we had from the attractiveness of the stuff
0: well, I mentioned earlier it was an uncomplicated un- un- project but I'm sure you guys are working in flat check getting it up but mm. um that goes to the uh, uh, capex. What's the the current capex estimate for the project? The
1: capex we reported, as from our scoping study, was around the US twenty million dollar mark. Mm-hmm. And you know the work we've done, you know, still says yeah. we're still in that sort of in that sort of ballpark. Mm-hmm. So you know, Glencore obviously comfortable to provide us with a, a seventeen US million dollar facility plus the the five million, mm. you know, which covers a lot of the the project. Or, most of the project debt,
0: you know. yeah. So seventeen is for construction, and five million sort of in reserve.
1: It's basically a overrun, cost overrun, yeah. just in case there is something. So, you know, in terms of that was one of the attractiveness. You know, we've we've got most of the development cost being being um, paid for by Glencore. Yeah. but there's still. I mean, obviously that was a uh, you know it was a non-binding agreement, but we went through a fairly detailed process. So you know, the Glencore really just required some further due diligence now, which is basically doing a site visit and, and us delivering the the DFS.
0: Mm. And the Solomons were um, very careful during COVID that uh, Solomons has uh, opened up for business again, has it?
1: Yeah, that's one of the reasons, you know, that we can now really get started on the DFS the, the, or the definitive feasibility study, you know, which is what Glencore will want to see before they finalise, we finalise with them the The main concern was, you know, we haven't been able to get consultants in to, to to finish that DFS, and you need to get your mining engineers and your geologists who are working on these, on the DFS, to actually visit the country and mm-hmm. and have a, a site visit. So mm-hmm. that's one of the key things. And there was a couple of other elements, like we needed a, a LiDAR survey done, which is a griff. You know, we need there was none of that in country, and that LiDAR survey gives you a, a good topographical map of the whole area, which the mining engineer needs to to finalise a reserve. So all these elements we've been now, you know, been able to do now that the board has opened in July. So I think that's sort of allowed us to really finalise the the DFS.
0: Right. Now, given that margin we were talking about earlier, I I imagine your uh, CapEx payback period is going to be very short.
1: Yeah, well, that's one of the things that was attractive also for the, the funding groups was that, you know, if you're looking at, you know, the margins, we're looking at the paybacks around, you know, a year, mm-hmm. especially at the higher grades as well. So I think that's fairly attractive, you know, for people to come in. And obviously the traders, you know, got, well, Dencore's got, a, you know, basically the first, you know, four years plus two, you know, for for being able to trade our products. So mm. it's certainly, you know, attractive for them if they can get paid back within a year and then they've got the trading rights for a longer period.
0: Yep. So I'm luring you into the next question, which is why is the market cap 26? It's obviously not reflecting the um, the value of this project that currently. Uh, oh, are- look,
1: I think we've still got to hang up from the Solomon Islands and there's been a lot of discussions, you know, over the year politically mm-hmm. <laughs> that we've had to deal with. You know, we've been front and centre, or not us, but the Solomons has been front and centre on a number of key issues, you know, recently. Mm-hmm. It hasn't helped our cause. Um And I think, you know, once we – but I think anything like in a new jurisdiction like the Solomons, you know, the proof is in the pudding. So I think, you know, once we can demonstrate the DFS, once we can show we've got, in particular, like a mining contractor, you know, sorted out once we've finalised the the Glencore deal and we put all those elements together and actually show, you know, we will be in production next year. Now, I think you'll see, you know, hopefully a, a bit of a, a rise in our in a market cap relative to, you know, the mm. value of the project.
0: Yeah, yeah. The, um, just on the political situation, the, uh, the interaction of the Solomons with the Chinese, and I was just wondering, um, what, have you had any interactions with Canberra on your no, project?
1: The, or- well, the, the approach we've always taken is we work with the Solomon Islands government. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's political things, and we we try to avoid. It. Obviously, we have to understand it, but the big tick for us is we actually got the mining lace, you know, for yeah. the project. So, yeah. whatever the noises in the background, we've been steadily doing our thing, our thing. And, not, and you know the Solomon Islands government wanted us to to develop the project, mm. so I think that's the key message, you know, for everyone that you know we can operate in this country, and they're prepared to, and they want us to do it because they see us as a yeah. a company that can develop this kind of operation successfully.
0: Mm. Just on that score, you've uh, de- you developed a similar sort of project, albeit in copper over in Indonesia uh, a few mm. years ago. So similar uh, challenges. Yeah, similar project. It's all about logistics, you know.
1: And I think the more we've got into it, we're sort of overcoming those logistics. The more we've been there, so you know, we've we've got a local contractor that we used to do a, a test pit area earlier this year, and they've just completed a a trial stockpile that we needed to do as part of an input for the the DFS um, because this material, you know, is um, quite wet, and we need to dry it out before it goes through to a ship. And it's an important part of the process. So, we've, you know, we've built that. So I think the key message is that we've got the guys in country who can, you know, who can do this. And I think that's one of the, the
0: keys. They mm. so have a, a wet season there, uh, roughly December to March. Um, I assume that's all factored into your development planning and uh, contingency planning.
1: Yeah, look, that's correct. You know, we're, we're, we're basing all our operations on a nine-month operation, which is really, you know, April okay. through to December. Okay. You know, the, the, the wettest time seem to be, you know, around the February-March time for, that we've experienced. But um, so, as I said, so the, the 1.3 million tonnes that we're delivering is actually nine months' worth of delivery, and the mining will be the same as that. So, you know, once once we get into the project, we can obviously try and eat into the wet season to see how we work. But, you know, at this stage, given that it's a initial project, you know, we want to make sure we can um, deliver it. Yeah.
0: Now, one of the unique things uh, things about the project is uh, landowners own twenty percent. I don't think uh, I can't think of another ASX company where there is a, a, a joint venture, as it were, with local landowners. So, um, is that was that a requirement, or was that something the company pursued? Or?
1: No, it wasn't a requirement, but I think it, it was just a reflection that some of the problems in in the Solomon Islands is all about land ownership and having the landowners agreeing because you've got three levels. You've got the landowners, then you've got the provincial government and then you've got the national government in terms of, you know, being able to mine. And I think that the most important is the landowners. You know, they're the ones who have the rights to land and control, you know, your operation. So the best thing for us was to, to give them a piece of the pie, so to speak, and they've been very good at ensuring that, you know, um, that we can go forward and dealing with things. So, the main thing for us was to make sure we've got all three levels um, covered, and everyone understands what's going on in terms of the project. So, we've got the support from all three, which is the main thing. And giving them a twenty percent carried interest in the project certainly makes sure we, you know, we go forward.
0: Mm, okay. Now, uh, the actual project Colossori is on Isabel Island, north of the capital of Honiara. Tell us a bit about Isabel Island.
1: Isabel Islands. Um, there's not much um, infrastructure on Isabel Island. It's basically uh, an island surrounded with um, fishing villages is the main thing, and there have been some forest foresting done. is Is the, the main source of revenue um, on the on the island. So this you know this this will be one of the if we get this up and running, this will be the first sort of mining operation on on the island. But it certainly has got. You know, if they're that a nickel, there's a real nickel belt on it. And so that's what the government's keen for us to, to get going. But in terms of the island itself, you know, it's quite a poor poor island and they're certainly looking for us to, to generate revenue and jobs, you know, on that island.
0: Mm. Has there been mining on the
1: island before? Um, there has been. A, one company did start but didn't quite get there and for various reasons, but it was mainly due to their financial arrangements and things. But, you know, so there's been no real, real mining, you know, Mm. On, on, the, on the on the island itself,
0: but uh, it's nickel potential. Obviously, I, I seem to remember that Inco, uh, the Great Canadian uh, Nickel Company, was uh, active explorer there many years ago. So, yeah, Inco was an initial explorer, and then
1: Sumitomo, the Japanese trading company, did a fair bit of exploration as well. Mm. And you know, there's a you know a, a good belt there, but you know, it's it's all about getting going. And I think we've had the discussion with mm. the government that if we can get this Colossori project up. You know, then there's there's other projects, you know, we've got a second project, Jojovo, which, you know, we will now think about getting going that we've been through the process with Colossori, you know, and the expectation is that, you know, that can come on board, you know, within a year's time from Mm Colossori. Subject to just sorting out some um, title issues and going forward on that one, but we're pretty confident that's all going to be, you know, another good project for us. So I think there's plenty in the pipeline for us going forward if we get Connoisseur going and then, you know, Jejevo a year later and and then there's quite a lot of exploration, you know, potential between the two. But, you know, we need to get access to that. And uh, I think given the, the Solomon Islands, you know, the, the approach is just get one going and, you know, the rest will follow.
0: Yeah. So when you um, uh, produce and then uh, ship and trans. You know, barge it out for the ships and send it off mm. you will start with a, a project life of roughly what
1: oh we're looking at about six years to start off with mm-hmm. because project life and mm. we haven't done any real what i'd call extension exploration most of the exploration we did last year was just to confirm the resource and to you know get the spacing the infill the, the the spacing to ensure that we've got a reserve and the reserve is likely to be, you know, a subset of that six million. But at least it demonstrates we've got payback, and you know, and uh, can go forward because the, the gear that we used for exploration was the ex, actual Exumitomo gear from you know six or seven, eight, nine years ago, mm-hmm. which was good, but it wasn't, you know, wasn't that fast and productive. So I think next year part of the plan will be to do the extensional drilling with you know some good drilling gear.
0: Mm. So your expectation would be that as you move forward, you always have five, six years ahead of you?
1: Yes. Oh, look, and then with, the, you know, the other project, you know, we've got five or six years in that project as well potentially. So, you know, staging that, but you know, there is certainly potential, which we've announced, you know, for, you know, some some more tonnes at the similar sort of grade as exploration potential and we'll try and deliver those, you know, with exploration next year on both projects essentially.
0: Mm. Again, just going back to the project being uncomplicated. Um, so in terms of the inflationary impacts we're seeing in Australia on, uh, you know, equipment and supplies, mm. um, there'll be a touch of that with you guys, but uh, fairly limited given what you need, some dozers and some yeah. road yeah, making machines.
1: Yeah. yeah. Look, you know, we've been in discussions with a number of mining contractors recently to, to get in there to start next year. And the good thing is this is not a big project so the gear we need is not a lot yeah. and, you know, there is availability of that, that, that equipment, you know, in in and and can be brought across. So we're quite comfortable that we can achieve that and, and you know, if we're using the gear, you know, I think the approach we're going to take is let's get going on some decent um, gear that they've got available now and then ultimately, you know, bring in newer gear, you know, when, the, when it becomes a lot sort of better, I think, in the in the future <laughs> in terms of things because mm. I think, you know, at the moment there is a there is a shortage of some of the gear that we need or that the, there is quite a, a long lag, to, a lead time to get someone's equipment
0: too. Mm. Uh, well, but, <clears throat> on other islands there is a, a bit of a, a, particularly a gold mining history in the Solomons. So just wondering what the labour pool is like there and what sort of targets have you got for uh, employment of uh, locals?
1: Yeah, look, the, the targets are... The one good thing about you know, if we go a step back, you know, using a PNG contractor, they're used to that culture as well. Mm. So, at the 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 aim is to bring some of their more experienced sort of managers across as part of that team, but the the actual you know workforce will be mainly the Solomon Islanders because they do you know they do sort of civil works, and we've already seen that, you know, through our test pit and stockpiling work that we've done this year that, you know, the the guys are quite capable of operating machines. Yeah. So yeah. I don't think we'll have a problem with with labour and using a local contract to source that labour and get the right guys to, to operate should be fine. So I don't think we have see that as a, a major problem, but it's also, you know, an important consideration. The government obviously wants us to employ as many of the locals as we can, both on the island and, you know, within the Solomon Islands. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Okay then. All right. And finally, I guess, uh, a lot of discussion recently about lithium and... Uh, copper and nickels obviously plugged into the electric vehicle revolution as much as the other metals. Um, And nickel uh, uh, MPI um, is being converted now in Indonesia into uh, battery material. So I was just wondering what your overview of where the nickel market is at the moment.
1: Look, I think we still, you know, believe and I think, you know, our off-take partner still believes the long-term, you know, value for nickels in the battery space. Mm. And I think the, one of the major things is that, you know, the laterites go basically, they're called to sort of go into a Class 2 nickel, which is predominantly used for stainless steel. Mm. But, you know, what we've learnt and gathered and what I think, you know, Glenn call believe is that a lot of that Class 2 is now going to be turned into Class 1 for batteries in China. So, you know, I think that's where they need the product and, and all of you know, and that most of that Class 1 came from the sulfides, not the laterites, and, you know, the market. It needs more nickel and so the laterites are becoming more important and we're starting to see that in Indonesia as well in terms of, you know, using, converting class two nickel into class one. So I think there's that market, you know, was was certainly going to be, you know, a strong market going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Okay.
0: All right, Jeff. let's just give investors a feel then for what uh, milestones they should look out for uh, in the next six months or so.
1: Yeah, you know, I think the main thing is you know we've got to complete this DFS or definitive feasibility study, and that sort of gives it a, that sort of puts the whole implementation plan and and the costing around what we've done. That's you know that's front and center for us at the moment. You know, and then we've got it on the back of that we finalise the the Glencore deal to get the financing. But in the meantime, you know, we'll be working on constructing the wharf and the haul road and getting those going because they're the two key components of the whole project because it's really just a, you know, a simple mining operation which is direct ship. So, you know, once we've got a haul road in place and the wharf in place, you know, we can get barges and we can ship the product out. I think that they're the two key things that we work on this year and then I think the other key will be demonstrating we've got a mining contractor who, you know, is experienced in these kind of operations because, as I said, that's that's the main game is the mining yep, and mm-hmm. getting it down to the down to the area.
0: Mm, okay. Well, there we go, folks. Very interesting story. I'll just make the point that if you look at some WA nickel explorers who don't have anything and yet have market caps of fifty mil, here we've got a company yeah. with a market cap of twenty six mil, and we'll be a producer before we know it. So, good luck with it all, Jeff. We'll be watching with interest.
1: Okay. Thanks, Barry.
0: Cheers.